Hey guys, this is Person About Town, and today I'm with a special guest in an outdoorsy place. Uh, why don't you tell us who you are and where we are? I am Jordan Hanron Seavey, a comedian as well in Boston, and we are at the Arnold Arboretum in Jamaica Plain. It is uh, owned by Harvard University, and it's an arboretum that uh, has a ton of different plants that we'll go around and see, a ton of different trees and stuff. All right. So we are walking. It's a... Uh... It's a fall day, although it's like sunny and nice for once. So, yeah, there are a lot of people out here. I think there's a wedding behind us. What makes this your favorite place? Um, a couple things. One is it's like uh, you're out. It feels like you're out of the city. You're actually like in nature. I grew up in the woods, so I like that. And two, uh, depending on the different times of year you come here, there's like a lot of really cool stuff to see. So like. We're going up a hill here that is um, lilac hill, and there's probably like 20 or 30 different kinds of lilacs planted on it. So if you come in the spring, it's just constantly flowering and all these different really cool trees. And then now we're in the fall, and everything's in all different foliage colors. And uh, pretty much throughout the summer, there's all different stuff flowering and stuff like that. I didn't even know there were 20 different types of lilac. <laughs> oh, there's probably more than that. There's probably, yeah. So, so these are all them right here, oh, along the road these, here. These trees that just look like regular trees, but yeah, they get like, real pretty in the spring, is what you're saying. Exactly, yeah, and they flower all at different times. So starting from like late April until June, different ones will be flowering. Nice. So wait, what brought you from Maine, the wilds of Maine, to Boston? I just moved down for stand-up. Right. I had already uh, been doing it in Portland for a couple of years, three years maybe, mm -hmm. and uh, I was driving back and forth. Uh, down to Boston a lot and I knew I needed to move but I didn't want to go straight to like New York or LA and I already had kind of a lot of ins here so I thought I'd come here and just keep working on it getting better. So what are some things you miss about living in Maine? What do I miss about living in Maine? I really miss being able to get outside of the city really quick. Uh -huh. uh, I like I like Boston and there's plenty of parts of it that I like but in Maine you can 20 minutes be in the middle of nowhere and, uh, and there's just a lot of really cool, like, I think the biggest thing is swimming. In the summertime, I love going swimming. Like, like in a pond? Uh, pond, ocean, river, any of it. And there's, there's like, a, you know, a million places within 15 minutes of Portland where you can jump in the water. And here it's like a good 45 minutes to get to any place that is, like, not weird or gross. I think, I think yeah, Boston has definitely colored my impression of what natural water sources look like like are there any <laughs> i don't know if there are any or like right around the city except for like the river and i would never yeah. jump in the river and then there's like jamaica pond but i can't imagine swimming there. no any any place i feel uncomfortable any place that has like roads around the whole thing i just figure that's all car stuff running off into oh, the water yeah so wait, how did you get started in stand-up uh, I think probably through, the best way I would describe it would be through theater. Okay. I started doing theater in uh, college, and I really liked it. And the first play that I ever did was a comedy. It was uh, a uh, play that was not written by Steve Martin, but adapted by Steve Martin. Okay. Called The Underpants. And uh, I had a lot of fun. And then I was like, all right, I want to do this. And I picked up uh, theater as a minor. And I started doing every play I could get into. And when I started doing, like, Shakespeare dramas and stuff, I was like, I mean, I like performing, but this isn't quite as fun. Yeah. And uh, then after do, for doing that for about four or five years, 
So I probably started that when I was like 22, and then when I was 26, me and my friend made a bet to start stand-up. And so I did it, and the very first time I went on, I was like, yes, this is exactly what I want to do, because I don't have to learn lines, yeah. I don't have to work with other people, right. and you don't have to rehearse. Or rehearsal is just going to open yeah. mic, so you still get like instant feedback. Yeah. And those are all the things I hated about theater. So wait, did your friend who you made the bet packed with, did they also do stand-up? Uh, he did for about like a year and a half maybe, mm-hmm. and then he hasn't he hasn't done much of it since. And I, I kind of knew that like after that first time, I was like, I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. And I went straight back the next week to the same open mic, and he was like, ah, I can't make it this week. And I was like, he's not going to stick <laughs> with this. So you are very prolific. Like you seem to write a lot. What... Like, what is your writing process? Uh, I think I have a really good job for it. I just drive around all day. Mm-hmm. And even before that, when I was living in Portland, I uh, I was a landscaper. And you're just alone all day. And so I'm just, I'll write down bullet points and stuff, but mostly I'm just thinking. Just, oh. like, not having to talk to people, thinking in my head the whole time. Right. And so I just, throughout the day, I'll think of, like, five different things that I want to go talk about that night and maybe one of them works but it's just having so much alone time right. allows you to just like kind of get lost in your thoughts in your head All right. and like along with that I'll be like listening to the news or whatever on NPR mm-hmm. and so you get a lot of like stuff to think about like a little things here and there or some news story and you kind of start thinking about it but I think the key is a lot of alone time that's pretty cool so how do you feel about alone time because people always ask me if I get lonely and I'm like no, it was my favorite time because I get to hang out with my best friend. I like it a lot. I um, I live in a house with too many people, so my room is, like, sacred. Like, mm. no one goes in and out of my room. It is very much my space. And when I'm in there, it's like I can be in there for days. Like, I, I guess I should come out for, like, sustenance. But, yeah, I just like being alone. Yeah, I've never thought, never felt loneliness. And I, I also wonder if it's... Uh, I'm the youngest, and my other brothers are quite a bit older than me, so for pretty much middle school on, I was like an only child, so it never bothered me. I, like, I enjoyed, because whenever my brothers were around, it was like, oh, they're going to beat the shit out of me. <laughs> so like being alone was like, oh, thank God. And I would say, too, I said this to somebody, I was like, you know, you, you don't feel alone because you're just having, you're kind of having that inner dialogue, yeah. and they're like, you mean an inner monologue? And I was like, no, there's two of us up there. Is it two of the same person, or is it, like, are there distinct uh, halves? Like, does it kind of divert into two separate entities? I think it's, like, it's like there's a guy in my head talking to the body that's moving around. Oh, okay. Kind of being like, what an idiot. Most of the time it's like, what an idiot. I feel like I, I think it's all one person, but I think also why I like being by myself is, as an identical twin growing up, I always had to have someone, like, right there. Uh, someone was always right there. So now it's like, oh, I get to kind of stretch out and breathe a little bit. Yeah. Did you feel like all in uh, growing up in school and stuff, your identity was very closely linked to them? Yes. To where, like, if she did something that somebody didn't like, they'd also be mad at me. And it's like, I don't know you, dude. <laughs> like, it's, so, yes, that was frustrating. And people, like, didn't think of just Kenise. They thought of the two of you together yep. as, like, that was one person. Yeah. It was weird, but... <laughs> You know, I'm over it now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, sounds it, sounds it. Uh, I don't have any issues around that at all. I'm totally fine now. No, it's cool. <laughs> totally fine. Um, 
So yeah, what part of the park are we in now? So we're walking up to, I think it's called Burry Hill, and okay. it's kind of the high point of the park. And it's this wo uh, road that winds around the hill. And so up here we start getting, those are all the lilacs back that way. Mm -hmm. And then these all start to be just all different kinds of, uh, different kinds of trees from like beech trees, birch trees. Um, this, because this is owned by Harvard, their whole uh, agricultural program is like half of it is run out of here. So there's actually greenhouses where they do uh, specific like um, botany and stuff. But then it, this is all just kind of used as a testing ground. And also they, they just like to see how trees that would normally be in different climates and stuff would fare here. And if they can keep them alive and stuff like that. Yeah. It's really pretty. Guys, if you come here, there are trees of all different colors. Uh, and yeah, it's, it seems peaceful. Yeah, and that's a, especially like in JP, which is not necessarily a peaceful place but like this is the right in the middle of it it's kind of crazy so what part of town do you live in i live in uh in central square in oh, cambridge okay. so have you spent much time down here like in jp in this uh, particular park uh yeah I, I, we come here all the time because uh me and my fiance we have a dog so this is a great place to bring the dog like on days like this for uh long walks and stuff um also we had like uh I don't think it was last summer, maybe the summer before, um, a friend of hers got married here. Oh. And so we just came for the wedding. And that was a really cool thing because they didn't get any permits or ask anybody. They just, they had like 30 people and they just, where we started, where that other wedding was going on, yeah. it was just right down there. They just like, everybody showed up there, sat on blankets and they just started. And then we went over to the Milky Way and that's where they had the reception. That's really cool. Yeah. So you are uh, getting married. Are you guys already starting that planning process? A little bit. We just got engaged uh, two weeks ago, mm -hmm. and uh, we've been talking about it. We know we want to do it within the year because we're planning to move away. Where are you moving? Well, we're going to go drive around for a year. What? Yeah, we're going to build a little, uh, a little mini home in the back of a van, and... Uh, drive around the country and kind of do comedy everywhere for about a year or so and then figure out there from there from all the different places we go to where we want to live next. You're going to do it in the way we go? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or, wait, is she? Uh, I, I was no. Ask, okay. no, 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 not pregnant. Okay, cool. um, but no, yeah, so we're going to Atlanta first. Nice. Her brother lives in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So, and there's a ton of stand-up I can do along the way. So right. try and line up as many shows and then go hang in Atlanta and get to know the scene there for maybe a month. And then from there, go to Austin for like a month, and then to Denver for a month, and then probably, those are the only ones we've thought out, probably from there we'll go to uh, L.A., and then up the coast to like Portland, Seattle. Okay. So wait, what are your, like, I know I have some requirements as far as the place that I live, like I need to be able to walk to a CVS or something. What are your city requirements? Um, I don't have a lot, like... One thing is I, I do like outdoor stuff. Uh -huh. So that's why I kind of shy away from like New York. Mm -hmm. New York's a cool place to go, but I I prefer like in LA where in an hour you can be up in the mountains yeah. or you can be at the ocean. Like I like being able to have stuff like that. Um, I don't mind seasons either. Some people want to get like away from winter and stuff like that. I don't mind it that much. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Like there are a lot of cities that... Uh, I think I want to coast too. That like, we have friends in Austin. We're gonna go there. Right. I've lived in Colorado for a little bit, 
but it was only during the winter and that was so I could ski and uh but I think I've, if I'm going to be a permanent place I like it to be on the ocean okay I just feel trapped otherwise you know like yeah <laughs> landlocked is weird so wait tell me a little bit more about that so you used to were you skiing professionally uh like I competed with pros mm-hmm. I competed at that level I wasn't like making a living I would I had like a couple sponsors I would get free skis and free clothing and I didn't have to pay to go skiing but I wasn't like making any money off of it Mm -hmm. um but I did that I started when I was like maybe I mean I started skiing when I was two can you you can I don't know anything about babies you can walk it too I'm assuming yeah yeah yeah. I think it's around one and a half I think you start walking wait so they make skis small enough for two-year-olds oh yeah they have tiny ones yeah they're literally like a little, probably my two feet put together. Oh, okay. Like that's how long they are. Got it. Uh, but yeah, I started at Shawnee Peak, skiing when I was two, uh-huh. and uh, always skied. And then for a couple of years, I was homeschooled, and those winters, it was like six days a week I'd be skiing. Uh, and then. How was that? It was awesome. I didn't learn shit, but <laughs> okay. it was awesome. Uh, and then when I was probably 12. I started competing in freestyle, which is like doing mogul skiing and stuff. I have no idea what that means. Um, that's what originally was in the Olympics for freestyle skiing. Okay. Uh, and then when I was maybe 14, I started doing uh, free ride skiing, which is like pretty much the same stuff like snowboarders or like skateboarders do, but uh-huh. you're doing it on skis. Mm. So you're like grinding rails and you're hitting jumps and doing half pipe and stuff. Oh, wow. And uh, that was my big thing was half pipe. I used to compete in that. Nice. So then when I, my junior, senior year of high school and the year after that, I was competing at like trying to get into the X Games and doing US Open and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then the year after I graduated high school, I moved out to Colorado and I blew my knee out that winter living out there. And so that kind of ended competing for me. And then I started coaching and I went back to the program that I grew up working at or, right. you know, going through. And I started coaching for them. And I did that for about seven years until I moved down here. Damn. So, yeah, that, that seems like a pretty, a pretty big part of your life. It totally was, yeah. yeah I mean, like, I literally probably skied at least 50 to 80 days a year for, like, 28 years. <laughs> and uh, – then not this past winter, but the winter before was the first year I skied once. And then this past winter, I didn't ski at all. Really? Don't Why? miss it. Not at all? No, no. Well, last winter was horrible here. There was okay. no snow at all. Yeah. The winter before was amazing. I went one day, but I don't know. It was just, I, I like doing it, but I like staying up so much more. And moving down here and being able to go out every single night and yeah. do stand-up, I didn't even notice I wasn't doing it. That's intense. Like that shift from like semi-pro to like not at all. Yeah, I mean, that was the other thing too was uh, doing it, um, coaching. Like those last seven years or so, I would would do 80 to 100 days skiing and I would never ski when I wasn't working. I would never just go out by myself because I'd be out there so much of the time when I was working. I never had any desire to do it. And uh, it was at the same mountain. It was at Sunday River, and we'd travel around a little bit. Uh-huh. 
but uh, it's like I I still love it and I'd like to go back to it eventually. Mm-hmm. But I I was bored of that mountain and stuff. Yeah. You know, once I have maybe some money and stuff, I would travel around and go out west or whatever. But for now, I was I was ready to be done with it up there. So like you've always been like an active, sporty person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I grew up on a farm. So I, I don't know if you got that. I grew up on a farm. <laughs> um, but I grew up on a farm with like we had. Uh, you know, hundreds of miles of mountain biking trails and stuff behind our house and grew up horseback riding and skiing and playing sports and stuff. It so. seems so foreign to me. Really? <laughs> that seems super weird to me. You didn't play any sports growing up? Uh, I did gymnastics for like seven years, but it's like very individual, very like when you want to do it. Uh, yeah, well, that's why I, I really liked, and I think that's why I like stand-up too, but I really like freestyle skiing was you're not on a team. You're not relying on anybody else. It's just, and... It's not even competitive like like uh, fighting is, where you have to beat another person. <laughs> it's literally the only competition is you to yeah. do your best, yeah. and that's what I like about stand up too. It's like, yeah, there are you might be competing somewhat, but it's like there's nothing you can do to make anybody else less or more funny. Yeah. It's yeah. just about you. Yeah, I dig that as well. That's really cool. So, what? Some people have, like, a stand-up philosophy, like, they don't like this sort of stand-up or, like, they think it was better in a different time period. Like, how do you view the state of comedy today? (laughs) Um, I expect a thesis silence. Well, one, I think it's awesome right now. I think think it's like a second stand-up boom, Mm. uh, but better because it's not all coked up, cheesy, 80s stuff. (laughs) Like... There's a little higher of a standard set, and um, and I like it like that. There is way more people doing stand-up, and that makes it a little tougher. Yeah. Uh, but, I don't know, ultimately there's just more places to do it and stuff, and so I think that's really great. Um, I, as far as styles go, I just think people just need to find their, you know, once you find your own style and your, your own uh, voice or whatever. Like, I think as long as you're striving to do that, then you're doing fine. People always kind of sound like somebody else when they start or they have an idea of what they should sound like. Right. But then eventually, if you just keep doing it, keep doing it hard enough, you'll, you'll find your own way. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only people that I, like, really don't like are the people who are not doing it to become as funny as they can. Mm-hmm. But, like, find it as either a means to an end or, like, you know, their their first goal is to make money off it. Their second goal is to be funny and stuff like that. And I think that just cheapens it for yeah. everybody else. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What do you, like, when you see somebody who is constantly promoting shows and stuff like that, but not, you don't see them out at open mics, like, actually working on stuff. Right. Don't you think that, like, you're, it's like they're trying to sell a product they don't have yet? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. I see that. It's like, you post more than you go up at a certain point like if people actually do buy what you're promoting they're going to be dissatisfied with the product so like focus on having a good product yeah it's like those people that like it's like a a Budweiser versus like a craft beer or something where I mean Budweiser is like a they're a different level but it's like it's like the dudes who don't care if you find out about their beer uh, ultimately, like Hetty Topper in Vermont, they're like, yeah, yeah. we don't give a fuck how much you want. <laughs> this is what we make. We only make this much of it. Right. And it's like a phenomenon because right. they're just focused on making the best stuff. Opposed to the people who are like, we're going to get it in every store. And you're like, well, then you're going to lose quality on it. Yeah. And that's what I feel about like some comics who are just like, you know, it's just my goal to like 
run all the shows in town or have the best. And it's like, but you're, you don't ever, you're still doing that same five minutes you did your first year in and it's not good. And, um, this is the top of the hill though. This, and, uh, especially even that's, what's cool about this place is right now it's all, you just kind of see the trees and everything. Yeah. But even if you come in here in the dead of winter, there's no leaves and you can see all the way to downtown. And so, like, even in the winter when all the trees are dead, there's still cool stuff to see here. Because right now, I can't see, like, I hear, like, a vague machine noise in the distance, but it is just nature all yeah, around. Just just trees. I think out of that way is, like, towards South Shore, maybe, or, like, Western Mass. And I think the city's down that way. Okay. But, yeah, you can't really see it. But uh, you come here in the winter and you can see out from, like, every view because all these leaves are down. So, wait, you come here in the winter? Sometimes, yeah. I, I have to remember you're from Maine, and that's like an acceptable thing to do with your time. I, uh, a couple winters ago, working landscaping, I was coaching skiing and doing landscaping, and I was outside almost every single day of the winter, and I would go uh, cut trees to like, there's this person who wanted a bunch of trees cleared out in their land, yeah. and I would just go out, you just get your snowsuit on and stuff, and go out with a chainsaw at like eight in the morning and you're just out cutting trees until noon. Then you take a lunch break and then you go back out and you're working so hard that you're like sweating all day. You don't even notice, but it's like 25 degrees out and you're just like tromping through snow. Coming into your lungs. Like. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good when you're so hot because you're just moving around. Like cause you cut down like a tree like this size and then you have to cut it up and then move all the wood and stuff. You don't notice the cold at all. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine that. I have no idea what size this tree is. Is it... You, you, you like pointed to this tree as like a, how long would it take this tree? Like I could hug it. <laughs> so it's like, it's take, my hug around size. Yeah. And it's probably about 30, 35 feet high or so. That would take like, I could do that in a morning with just me and a chainsaw. Cut it down and like move it. Cause you got to cut it down and then you fell it, which is yeah. cut all the uh, branches off. Okay. And then you chop it into pieces, and then you got to stack those pieces. So usually what we do is cut it, drop it, you fell it, take all the branches, put those in one pile that you eventually burn, and then and all the... Why burn them? Um, because it's just a way to get rid of the waste. If you don't have, like, uh, some people will put it through a uh, uh, wood chipper, okay. make wood chips out of it, but, you, but it's all... Uh, the branches are usually too small. You're not going to use them for firewood. Okay. Um, and you got to do something with them. And then the uh, logs, you just cut up into logs and stack it. And you usually leave it there for the winter, let it dry out. And then in the spring, you'll get all that firewood and bring it in once it's dry. And then you chop it up and you have it for the next year for firewood. It seems very planned out. Um, like year to year, like, uh, yeah, I would never think to do any of this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just something you, I don't know, like, and you just, like, know this stuff. You, like, I, know I, I, stuff about nature and stuff. I learned all that. Landscaping for six years, I learned okay. a lot. So you ride a bike. Would you say that you're part of Boston's bike culture? I guess, but there's a lot of bikers around Boston that piss me off because of the, uh, they, like, kind of demand, like, you stop for me, and I have the right, and I just go, like, don't even get in their way at all. My philosophy is uh, I don't ever want the cars to even know I'm there. Yeah. I don't, I don't trust them I never try and rely on them seeing me or stopping or anything and I think that's how you should bike if especially around here did you know there's a new study that came out that like State Farm did and Boston has the worst drivers in the country that doesn't surprise me at all yeah 
And then the other thing, too, is you go, we probably have the worst pedestrians, too, because yeah. they're not any smarter when they get out of their car. Uh, I don't stop. Like, I, if I'm walking, I'm like, what are you going to do? Are you going to hit me? You're not going to hit me. Yeah, and that's really arrogant because <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I heard somebody say it once, but, like, there are laws of, uh, you know, laws on the books, but then there's also uh, laws of nature. Yeah. And you lose every time, no matter what the law is. Yeah. You lose every time when you get hit by a car. Like, did you see the video of the woman that Mike O'Brien hit? No. He hit somebody I, on... Uh, I just heard that he hit someone. Yeah. I was like, what? You can find the video online. He hit her. She was just head down, didn't even look, just walked straight into the road. Okay, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a I lot look of people... At the, like, I look into the eyes of the person who's behind the wheel, and then, like, one of those things where it's like, I'm at a crosswalk... I'm going to go because I'm at a crosswalk, and you should stop, so I'm going to look at you yeah. until the stopping happens. Yeah, and that's smart. But there are some people that just head down, just don't no, even look, no, step no. into the road. Yeah, that's so. But I, uh, I like biking around, especially around Boston. I think you can make it everywhere, like, way faster on a bike because it's a small city. And uh, with, like, traffic and stuff, especially around rush hour, you can definitely make it around a lot faster. <coughs> uh. Excuse, excuse to your listeners, <laughs> having a bit of a throat thing this today. Feel free to take a second and like have, <coughs> have a sip of water. <coughs> uh, it's not even water. There we go. Okay. It's about like coughing and whatever phlegm is in my throat, getting it directed in the right way to have yeah. my yeah, or just at least allow my voice to come through a little better. Yeah. Do you have any shows tonight? Luckily, I don't. Just dinner with the parents tonight. Oh yeah. But <coughs> then I got oh that was right on mic. Then I got um. <laughs> it's fine. I got like two shows tomorrow and then a bunch coming up. Nice. Um, are you, did you get in the BCF? I did. Did you? Nice. I did too. Yeah. Nice. That'll be fun. Yeah. Are you uh, on the website yet? No, it's, it irks me to no end. People are like, hey, here's the list of people who got in in Boston. Who do you think is going to do well? And I was like, well, my name's not on that list. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I, don't worry, I'm like, I'm not like, oh, I'm going to win it. But like, I would like to do well if that's yeah. what you're asking. But my name is not in this list that exists now. So, yeah. Well, I figured they didn't put me up there because they don't want to spoil the winner. Uh, so, yeah. I would not be surprised at all if you won. Me? No. <laughs> you know how funny you are. Like, yeah. Yeah, but there's a lot of people like, I feel like there's people like you. There's uh, like one time me and Rohan were doing shows and like one night I crushed and like nobody liked him for some reason. <laughs> and then the next night it was like the complete opposite. So it's just like, it's so much of the crowd and how your jokes are going and stuff and like I do a lot of stories so it's like if they're not on board in the first five minutes it's not like I can just flip to something else when you were first starting did you try to do like shorter bits and like like one-liners or anything yeah I did a lot of not necessarily one-liners but it was a lot more like set up punch or like like uh set up and then tag 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 mm-hmm. um but I uh and I would try and do the stories at like open mics and stuff like a couple of the stories that are like solid bits of mine I did within like the first year or two but I just didn't know how to structure a story well I didn't know have the jokes like within this it was all a story leading up to like the funny thing at the end and I was like oh that's five minutes and like no laughing whatsoever and then after like uh, a couple years I would say it was just about two years ago maybe I started bringing them back in and doing more and uh, I kind of saw like I just figured it out a little more. Now, when I, like, start to do a story, I have, like, a better way of, like, building it right from the beginning. Yeah, nice. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm happy with it. But then also, like, I just did the album, and there were so many stories on that that uh, I kind of want to do, start doing more, like, not necessarily, like, uh, social commentary, but just, like, talking about, like, what's going on, because I don't do that as much. Yeah, yeah. I have, like, a couple bits about it, but I kind of got, like, a lot of stories from my youth out of the way, right. and now it's, like, I want to talk about more what's going on now with me and also, like, with the world and stuff. What are some of those things that are uh, going on with you <clears throat> and the world that you'd want to talk about? Um, the, I don't know, like, being where we are, like being 30 and uh, kind of looking like our only path for what we should do next in life is like what our parents did. But then with like every crazy thing that's going on in the world, you I don't I don't <laughs> think we're going to have we can't rely on work hard and retire. Like, I don't think that's going to be an option for us. And so it's just kind of like we are figuring out a whole different way to live now and so stuff like that. But then also you kind of like feel the shame from your parents or from older generations that are like, you're not doing it the way it's supposed to be done. And you're like, that way doesn't exist anymore. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but stuff like that, how, like how, how much different stuff is for opposed to like, I would say there was maybe like three generations that, um, kind of had the same model and it worked and now that's breaking and, and it's kind of becoming a different model. And even people who get jobs that like, 40 years ago, if you got a job in an insurance company, that was like a solid job and you could do that straight till you retired. Yeah. People get those jobs now and then two years later, like that insurance company doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's not something that would ever happen before. Right. And so it's even in those industries that you thought were like solid industries and stuff, there is no security to it. And so like, what is that going to lead to? Yeah. That makes sense. Those are big issues. Yeah. And then not necessarily funny, but I gotta figure out how to make it funny. Write the jokes about it. Yeah. You do shows in a lot of like random places. What is the weirdest show you've ever done? Um. Or worst. Worst was probably in Gardner, Maine. <laughs> it was a place called the Bench, and uh, it they just got so rowdy, and we're talking so much at the tables and drunk, that I just stopped talking. Walked off, nobody noticed. Nobody noticed that I finished or ended or anything. They were just like, I guess that guy's not going to be talking up there anymore. That was probably one of the worst ones. Um, weirdest, I don't know what would be the weirdest ones. I've done some weird, like, private shows where, like, I did a, a friend of mine hired me for her dad's 60th birthday party. And it was just, like, at a... Uh, an Elks Lodge or something, and their whole family was there just having a birthday party, and then they're just like, okay, everybody stop, and you all know each other, but here's somebody you don't know, and they're going to tell you stuff. And so, like, the way I got around it was I brought the dad up, and I kind of, like, my stories about being a kid and stuff, I would, like, bait him and ask him about, like, pranks he did. And he would tell some pranks, and everybody laugh at him, and then I'd do my bit about doing pranks. And so it kind of got everybody to listen. It was like a little bit roasty where I would like josh him for whatever weird stuff he did or anything. Yeah. Um, but it kind of it ended up going well. But it was definitely one of the ones where I was waiting to go on, going like, "There's no way this is gonna work. Like nobody wants to stop what they're doing and listen to me. And there's four year olds here, and I don't do that clean of stuff." But she kept going like, "Don't worry, we all swear. Say whatever you want." I was like, "I know, okay, yeah." Uh- Emily put me on a show like that once uh, where it was somebody's 65, like 65th birthday. 
people I don't know. I was the only black person there. So it was kind of obvious that like, and it was like, it was supposed to be like a comedy was happening, but that was supposed to be like a surprise. But it's like, who's this random black chick who's just like sitting in the corner? (laughs) And surprise comedy is never good. (laughs) Nobody ever wants to be surprised with comedy. Never works. There's so many, so many bar shows that are like that, that are like uh, open mics or bar shows, especially up in Maine. I remember doing a bunch where it's just everybody's watching the game or whatever, and then all of a sudden it's like sound off. Hey, everybody, we got comedy, and you just see like angry faces turn, and the bar doesn't care because they're like, yeah, you're here every week, do whatever you want. This always happens, but you're like, couldn't you like advertise, like tell people? So weird how how much like. Owners, establishment owners, don't understand how comedy shows work. Um, But I think it all just makes you stronger. Like uh, the Middle East, I think some of the times is just a shitty place. Yes. But it toughens you up so much. Yeah. I haven't been there in a long time, and I know I'm like, all right, this will be, this will be a learning experience. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, And every once in a while, you catch a good set there, and you're like, all right, that was awesome. (laughs) I did it. I broke this room. So, yeah, we're standing in the middle of uh, trees. There are paved paths, but it is very natural around us. Uh, yeah. This is, uh, these are all oak trees. Do you just know that? Yeah, from the leaves. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I figure that's how people recognize trees. It just You know how to recognize them based on their leaves. Cool. Yeah, uh, some trees leaves, some trees it's bark, so we're actually going to go to the left here. Okay. Nice wood chip path. Um, I took uh, a couple botany classes in college too, and we would learn how to identify trees strictly based off the bark. Uh, but that's a lot tougher, but it's also like for around here, this climate, I know cause I was planting them all the time and stuff. What a lot of the plants are uh-huh. where like I'll visit my brother in California and I don't know what anything is. Yeah, they all look like Dr. Seuss. Uh, plants out there. Yeah, well, it's it's very, um, the weird thing is, technically, that's all supposed to be, like, desert. Yeah. But because of all the artificial water and stuff they bring in, Mm -hmm. they make it into, like, almost like a tropical, like, you know, rainforesty type area. But the second that water's gone, none of those plants are going to be growing there. Like, palm trees aren't even, uh, native to there. Really? Yeah, they've planted them all. Um, and, uh, and they're actually, they've stopped planting them and they're not going to replant ones that fall down so they say because uh, palm trees don't won't live forever they have a lifespan oh i didn't know that and they don't um especially around there because they don't have fruit on them they won't replant themselves like yeah, yeah. uh so uh, they said i think it's something within like 50 years there'll be no more palm trees left in like the la area wow yeah. that's crazy and yeah i mean with the water shortage and everything it makes sense <coughs> not to just like keep trying with those yeah no it was i mean they're they're a hassle and they're like they drop their leaves all the time they're kind of a hassle to uh to keep manicured Mm -hmm. and like then they get like 80 feet tall and then just fall and you're just like (laughs) good luck for this giant pillar to drop yeah so this is a nice little path and we got some uh evergreens here on the left and there it looks like uh i think that's a spruce Okay. This one with the, uh, see how this has big needles? Yeah. 
That's a pine tree. That's probably a white pine. Okay. And then spruce trees are like this, and they have uh, the, a lot smaller needles and stuff. That's what you'll see for, like, a Christmas tree a lot. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, nature, I get it. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I've always found, like, especially spending time in nature, it just, you end up being happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, mental health-wise, I think it keeps you a lot happier. Uh, they have done studies saying, like, one, being out under the sun, you get more vitamin D, which right. keeps you happier. I like doing that. Uh, which I think has kept me... I've wondered if I'm, like, more... Because I driving around now, I get so aggravated. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if I was a happier person when I was spending, like, you know, 200 days just outside under the sun. That made me a happier person. Yeah, I just... I get so worried about... <laughs> Like, nature killing me, and then also someone else killing me, and no one noticing. Yeah, I think there's a way more higher chance of that happening around people. There's a way more chance that you're going to get hit by a car, be it a car accident, or some weird dude on the street is going to attack you, opposed to out in nature. That's probably true. Like, and especially around here, there's no animals that are going to get you. Like, even, there's no poisonous things, uh-huh. except for, like, poison ivy. And once you know what that looks like, you don't got to worry about it. Got it. Um, there's no spiders or snakes or anything that can kill you. Really? None. Huh. I think they say there's, like, one, they've spotted a couple spider. It's, like, a brown recluse yeah. spider. But you never see them. And even if you do, they don't, like, hunt people. Like, yeah. you would have to be poking it with a stick. <laughs> Before it would ever bite you or anything. Um, and then... Are there more like poisonous, <coughs> dangerous things in me? <coughs> no, there's nothing. It's two uh, poisonous things are in warm climates. Uh. There's nothing up here. Like from here north, uh, once you get further up into Maine, like, there are uh, black bears. But they are very... Uh, unless you get between a mother and its cub... They, you never even see them. I saw maybe like four black bears ever in the wild growing up. And, but they have such a good sense of smell and hearing like they, you never see them. They, wow. no, they hear you or smell you coming before you ever even know they were there. And they're, very, they're non-confrontational. They, they, you know, they, they get away. Where like if you go up in Canada and Alaska and stuff, the grizzly bears are very confrontational. Yeah. They'll hunt you down. Do they eat you or just hunt you for sport? Oh, they'll eat you. They, oh. they will fuck you up. I don't know why that scares me more. Like, yeah, maybe they'll, like, maul me. But, like, the idea that they're going to, like, eat my flesh, I don't know. Yeah, they, they eat you, and they don't kill you first. They, they just start eating. Uh. They just hold you down and eat you. <laughs> yeah, they don't give a shit if you're dead. I think we're going, yeah. All right. All right we're getting close. I know where we are now. Okay. Yeah, they'll, they just uh, fuck you up. Wolves, too. Um, <laughs> they eat you ass first. Why? Uh, because... If you, I don't think it matters so much for their digestive systems, but if, uh, if one, that's where the most meat is. Okay. Um, also, they want to uh, get your organs and intestines out um, because if you, like, burst open a stomach yeah. or uh, your intestines, it can spoil the rest of the meat. Ugh. So they just eat that shit first. Ugh. But they found, like, deer and stuff that... Uh, still alive that just have their entire like asshole eaten out just like chomped down and then something like a bear came along and scared the wolves away and then somebody else comes along and sees that 
it's uh, nature's a pretty terrifying place. You're not like yeah. I mean, I'm not going up to Alaska, but geez, that sounds horrifying. Um, so all right, so you're about to start, or so. Let me understand your timeline. When are you going to start this around the country road trip? Um, end of next summer. So our, our lease is until August, mm-hmm. and uh, so this winter we're going to find a van. Okay. We want to find like a sprinter van. You know what those look like? Nope. They're like the taller, skinnier vans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see. I I always associate them with like Europeans, but yeah, totally, totally. I think that's where they started. Okay. Um, so we're gonna find one of those. Uh huh. Oh, there it is. We found the tree. Oh. That tree there. So let's walk up to that. Yeah. Um, we're gonna find one of those to buy this winter. Okay. Uh, then. Uh, park it up in Maine, either my brother's house or my parents' house. Right. Over the summer, build it. Build yeah. the, like, we want to put, like, a little kitchen and bathroom and, and oh, wow. bed in the back. Like a little camper. Yeah, yeah. Um, and have it all built over the summer. And then, so, by the end of the summer, we're ready to take off. Nice. And then uh, head straight to uh, Atlanta from there. So, what are some things you'd like to get done in Boston before you go? Um... I think the only goal I have left is I, I want to, which you're doing tonight, I want to do the Wilbur. Uh, I'd like to uh, open for somebody at the Wilbur. Because that's the only venue, ex- other than, like, the giant ones, which I don't really care about, that I haven't done yet. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Have you done a show there before? Never done a show at the Wilbur before. It's actually, I, when I went in and saw you guys when you were going to see Whitney Cummings, uh-huh. um, that was the first time I'd ever been in there. Really? And uh, it's a lot smaller than I thought it was. I think, it, like, I've seen specials that were filmed there, and it looks bigger, I think, uh, on TV and stuff. But I felt it was more intimate than I thought. So. I've seen so many people there. Like, I saw Aziz. I saw Mike Kaplan, Rob Delaney, <coughs> Whitney Cummings. Uh, a ton of people. All right, so we are, yeah, you got to clear the brush. I can't. All right, I know. I think I got that one. Okay, thanks. There you go. We're underneath a tree now, but it's like a ah. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I just it hit my hair. And it was a whole thing. Ah. Oh. No, I'm fine. Sorry. I'm fine. <laughs> I can do this. I'm gonna. There's an easy path laid over here. <laughs> you shouldn't be. Yes, but now you. Uh, it's all about the adventure. Okay, so describe where we are. Uh, I think this is like a weeping beech tree, and uh, basically it's all these branches that go up and then down all the way back down to the ground and some of them it's what's called a uh, tip rooting so it grows back into the ground oh. from the tip of the branch oh yeah I see that. so that's where you get like stuff like this like you see this was trying to this yeah. was sending off too, too soon. um it just wasn't close enough to the yeah. ground um but wow. it then like that's what happened here and it went back in and then grew that up from there oh, yeah. uh, but it creates this like really cool canopy that you can kind of shelter you're under which if i was ever homeless i would Totally take up camp in a place like this, yeah. Nice. Um, but then it's, I was here with my niece and nephew one time, and it's pretty good climbing too. Oh. Okay. We like made it a ways up there. Wow. And there's a lot of a lot of people carving into the side of this one too. Yeah. A lot of relationships. Which, a lot of initials. That is, it's all right. It can hurt the tree a little bit. I don't mind, but whoever this asshole is who spray painted a tree. Yeah. That, it's a bit much. And it's not even good either. Just like straight up letters, not even a tag. Just read or somebody. Just yeah, fucking. Is, yeah, read. All right. So we've been walking around for a little while. Uh, before we wrap up, I usually ask a couple questions. 
Like, what is something, like, nobody knows or, like, that people would be surprised to find out about you? Um, I was trying to think. I think maybe, like, I've, I tell people this every now and then, but um, I am a huge uh, Dave Matthews Band fan. Really? Love Dave Matthews Band. Unapologetically. Oh, yeah. No, because they, they are incredible musicians. I get why... Here's the thing. I love Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. I hate Dave Matthews Band fans. Okay. Having been to a few shows, like, there are douchey bros there. There are people that I hate. There There are people there that just do it for, like, the party and stuff. And, I, and like, I do that. I'll get drunk and high and stuff, but I, I love the music. Yeah. And, uh, and it's incredibly hard music. Like, I try and play the stuff on guitar. Their drummer is one of the best drummers. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, I'm totally into it. I don't, I don't give a shit. What's your favorite Dave Matthews Band song? <coughs> um, either Jimmy Thing or uh, the song that Jane likes, which he wrote for That's his sister. Called. Okay, okay. Yeah, his sister's Jane. Okay. He wrote a song. She liked it, so he called it the song that Jane likes, um, which are two lesser-known ones. That's the other thing, too, is if you base them totally off of what they play on the radio, yeah. it's it's somewhat what their sound is. Yeah. But if you get into their deeper stuff, like it's definitely gets a lot more complex, a lot, a lot of stuff that's not like radio friendly. Mm-hmm. Like it, people always say that about fish too and stuff, but, uh, but I really like it. Yeah. Nice. I, don't, I don't give a shit. Who knows? <laughs> okay, I'm not apologizing for that. That makes sense. So, uh, what things do you think you're going to miss most when you leave Boston? Um, drinking, uh, not you can't do that also no no you can but you don't have the people here know how to drink and especially comics like you can always I, this just happened the other night at the studio where i was on last and there was another comic who was there and i was like i'm going on last i don't want to hang around up here and be quiet and stuff and we just went down to the second bar and we're like let's do some drinking and we just and i feel like especially being out in la or new york i just there's not people are like way more some would say like health conscious or whatever, but I just like, I don't know. There's, there's unapologetic drinkers here. And I like that. There's also people who get sober and none of them are annoying, sober. Like, you know, maybe you should think about getting sober too. Like they're all like, no man, you can hold on. I couldn't hold on that fucking, I slipped my bad. You keep going. Nice. So do you have any final words before we wrap up for the listeners? Um, I apologize for my voice. Uh, I I had a throat coughing thing going on. Um, Good luck to both me and Kenise and everybody else in the BCF this year. Um, And if you're ever in Boston, come and check out the Arnold Arboretum in Jamaica Plain. So the and this is the last cool thing about this. This is the end of what is called the Emerald Necklace. Oh yeah. And that starts at the. Boston Gardens, mm-hmm. and then if you follow along Com Ave, the Greenway in the middle of the Com Ave, and then it connects to the the Fells, the Fenway Fells, right. and then that connects to uh, the Jamaica Pond, which connects to this. And you can there are bike paths and parks the entire way from downtown Boston to here nice. that you can ride the whole way. So if you want to do something fun, like do that down here, or just come down here and check it out. Nice. All right, uh, as we walk back out of... uh, Yeah, let's go the easier way. Let's do that. Uh, Do you already know who's going to take over your show when you leave? That I don't know. So, oh, yeah, if anybody's listening, (laughs) 10 o'clock Wednesday nights at The Burn, come to that. It was a great comedy show. Um, And it's great because anybody who's in town doing shows, it's late, so they always come by there. Like, I think i got to ask them, but hopefully... uh, 
Well, when is this? When do you put this out? Uh, this will be out probably in uh, two to three weeks. Oh, okay. So you'll miss uh, Joe List. Okay. Um, but I think he's going to stop by this week. All right. Um, but anytime somebody's in town, Garrett Goldman stopped by. Uh, Marlon Waynes has stopped by before. Not when I was there, but when oh, yeah. Steve was doing it. Um, but it's a great show. I have been uh, I've been prospecting, looking at a couple people, see if they want to take it over because it's the type of it's it's a difficult room at times. Like person needs to be good and go with the flow, but also like I don't. It's not the type of thing like you that can. You could make it into like a real book show and stuff, but I like the atmosphere of like you never know what's gonna happen. Yeah. It's kind of late night. It's kind of like feel like wrong about being there not like wrong but like speakeasy a little bit because you're going into the back room you walk through this bar through craziness and then you're like just keep going through the craziness there's something in the back and then you come into this really cool uh thing in the back and then also dan the bartender who's awesome who runs the show behind the bar um it's kind of like it happens because he wants to keep coming back and uh so it needs to be somebody that dan really likes too and that he wants to keep working with but i got a few people in mind but i'm not i'm not sure yet why why you want it no i'm not gonna be here (laughs) oh you're leaving too i am leaving oh where are you going uh new york all right so start a show down there i'll come do it anytime okay (laughs) that's that's my plan people move (laughs) to new york or la and i'll just go do their shows all right sounds good yeah i saw you in new york doing a show that we were both on yeah yep I plan on doing that one as many times as they'll have me until I can get into other clubs in New York. (laughs) And then you're like, who are those guys? I don't know them. They're asking me for recommendations. I'm like, hey, man, I don't have fun with that show in Brooklyn. I don't know. All right, guys. So this has been Person About Town. Thank you so much for listening. All right. And also now we're presented by Women in Comedy Festival. So thanks so much, Women in Comedy Festival. All right. Thanks. Bye.